What's good, everyone? This is the podcast, Mercenary the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today is a continuation, once again, of the Netflix original series, The Umbrella Academy. And we are on episode five. So we start off with the post-apocalyptic world. We finally get to see the vision of the post-apocalyptic world, right? Where number five is uh, living in present day, I guess you can say, like today, you know, is he's 13 and he's wandering in his wastelands like it's freaking fallout. And um, he's got Dolores in like a little uh, red wagon, like just dragging her along, drinking booze. I mean, this 13 year old's already having a drinking problem at 13. Hey, if the world's going to end, I don't blame you. And um, he's riding down a wasteland 33 years later in the future. Like it's been that long. So he's now like a expert, you know, marksman. Because that's all the time he's had to do is just hunt and survive. So he's with the lore still, but now he has a bike, like a trike almost. No, it's a bike, but attached to the wagon. And um, in modern day, like regular 2020, or I guess it's 2020, I'm assuming it's current times, our current time. He's talking to Luther, how Luther is useless. No matter what he tries to do, you can't change the world. You can't change the future because of the butter, butterfly effect. So because the butterfly effect is no matter what you do, it's going to cause a big rift. So if anything, it's going to make it worse. Luther is dead in his future because he couldn't stop the anomaly of this apocalypse. So he's like already like your resistance is futile. You, whatever you do is just not going to work. He's got like scribbled. Uh, chalk all over the walls of this room and stuff so like he's really deep into this whole like uh we're all we're all doomed man game over man so you know it is what it is and um now we get Diego coming in and he's like on a tirade because if you saw the ending of the previous episode his uh, ex-lover partner whatever she was to him friend uh was shot killed and he is furious like he is lit and he's he's just pissed at uh number five because it's all his fault these guys chasing him and they're all just, um, what do you want to call it, uh, casualties in his hunt. These people are just getting ca- And he doesn't care because number five is like, at this point, he's all he's focusing on is the future. It's going to not be existing. So he's already like shut off emotions for the most part. And it's it's tough because Luther's trying to wake up number five. Like, you don't think you don't care. You care. That's why you came back here to help us. If not, you would have just left us be. You would have let none of this happen. So deep down inside, and then there's this whole thing of like inner turmoil with the siblings like number five thinks it's better than his siblings but the siblings know this and number five admits it and it's, it's a big weird ego trip but they try to get to the you know Luther's like why did you tell me sooner it's it's a whole thing so here we got the handler and we actually meet the person in the future who actually got number five into that organization that was chasing him down because he defected and she's none other than Kate Walsh from Private Practice and Grey's Anatomy's fame I love Kate Walsh. She's awesome. And she's the CEO, I guess, or like second in command, whatever is her position is up there. She froze time to, to like talk to, um, what's his face, a uh, number five in the future. It seemed like time freeze. Maybe it was just like a quick, you know, moment of lapse, but it felt like things were just going slow. But then again, he was sniping. He has her in his crosshairs. He's, she's trying to convince him to join the organization. So he, you know, let's guard down a little bit. And this is how we get introduction to how he joined their organization and became their top guy before he defected and went back to his old time. So we got a whole lot of introductions of characters in this episode. Or not really introductions, more like introducing characters, but also introducing plots that we don't know much of. Expanding on 
this whole giant arc in the story. Like, essentially, they're time cops. They're time lords. Whatever wanna, whatever term you want to use, whether it's uh, Doctor Who or Legends Tomorrow, it's all the same thing. Pretty much, he's not the only one who can time travel. And this is where we learned that time traveling is actually a gift that many can do. But the fact that he can do it so easily, he is a top crew. Because apparently, this organization's been around forever to prevent things. And then he questions, like, why haven't you tried to help this apocalypse from not happening? And then the handler, she's like, because sadly, this is supposed to happen. It's not the end of the world. It's the end of your world. And, you know, obviously, if you see for history, many civilizations have crashed and burned and, and, and you know, gotten washed up. And then a new one pops out of nowhere and revigor- invigorates the future. So it's essentially that meaning that our current world is done for and then we usher in a new age god for who knows if that's like in thousands of years time and how civilizations grow because that's how history is there's been periods like the dark ages where things were just going to shit and hey so he humbly accepts the offer because what else can he do might as well you know get paid for what he does instead of just scavenging like an old crazy man person talking to a mannequin all his life and um then we got this commission. The time cops are meant to all recruit other people that are gifted. So Five was a time hitman, and he was good at it. Top of the class, whatever you want to call it. And um, he was even there during the Kennedy shooting. I guess he was supposed to prevent Kennedy from getting shot. And, uh, yeah, that was an awkward moment because I thought he was the first he was the shooter. I'm like, oh, my gosh, not another one of these Winter Soldier moments. Like, no, no, no. They didn't try to cop the Winter Soldier. It, it's, he's apparently there to prevent uh, the guy that kills him to, well, kill him on the grass, you know. It would, but yeah, so he, at this time, has figured out the actual algorithm, uh, broken the code, whatever you want to call it, to time travel, and he pulls it off. And he goes back, and that's where he de-ages to the 13-year-old version of himself. Even though, if you think about it, in the modern day that he goes back to, he would be 30 or 31 or something, whereas he's 13. So he has an age from when he left time. So he's got to figure that whole out. He messed up. Essentially, he messed up the algorithm where he went back, not as an old man, but went back as a kid. Hey, you get a longer life out of it, right? So I don't see any negatives there. And it's not like you left a family in the future. He was just a crazy man talking to a mannequin, just saying. So there we go. And then we see Klaus, who in the previous episode opened the briefcase that allows you to time travel. He comes back. And gosh, he looks like shit. I mean, he looks like he's been through war. And guess what? That's exactly where he was for almost a year. He was stuck in, like, I'm assuming Nam. It has to be Nam, either Nam or Korea, where he's just seen some shit that he doesn't want to talk about. So he comes back with PTSD and everything. He just comes back a war vet. So Klaus was in 1968. Okay, let me do my research. What war was in 1968? All right, I googled it. It's actually Nam. Had to make sure because then a career happened right after Nam, like in, or yeah. So I haven't been in history class in a long time, you guys. So, pardon me, you might know my damn history. It's been a while, like, even though I kind of minored in it. But shut up. Okay, so uh, he was in Nam. He made friends there, and he came back, and he's got PTSD. He's in the tub, trying to take a bath to soothe himself, and this is where all the war flashbacks come in. So we move on to Ali. And Allie brought Vanya breakfast, and she's trying to 
give heed warning that her man isn't exactly who he thinks he's who he says he is, uh, yada yada. And she's defensive because the first guy's actually taken interest in her and thought she was special. So she's like lashing out with Allie, even though Allie's trying to help from experience. So Allie thinks this guy is shady as fuck, you know, shady AF. You know, he's just he's not he's a sketch character. There's something about him. No one's that nice without having, you know, no one's super nice like that, especially in this modern era and in a big city. Like, he just comes off really skeevy. And I mentioned this before, he doesn't come off like a guy you can trust, and he's the one that flustered drugs in the last episode. So we got uh, here a Leonard, Ali, Vanya uh, drama, essentially. And then... Vanya skips out on Allie to go to breakfast with Leonard because she made plans with Leonard. And they catch up on breakfast and they have a sweet little moment there. And then she auditions for her first chair. And apparently the girl who was first chair stopped showing up, which is shady AF. I put it down. Now let me just speak on that for a second. I'm already having weird uh, ideas about this character. I think it's a circular. I'm just saying it. This guy is so infatuated. I'm pretty sure... He's one of her biggest fans, read her book and everything, found her, and is acting crazy because he's upset. This is another you situation. You ever seen the show You on Netflix? This guy's obsessed with her. That's just my hot take or whatever you want to call it, uh, my uh, educated guess. So let's see here. Um, All right, so number five finally gets it out of Klaus that he knows he time-traveled because of the uh, side effects that he's feeling itching all over his body, and he's just uh, had jet lag and other things like that, and he's confronting Klaus about it. And Klaus doesn't want to speak about the circumstances because he did go to war, so the shit is not something you don't want to just talk about, and he's just really messed up. And now we go on to where Hazel ends up at the diner where Agnes is working at, and he kind of flirts with her. She goes on her lunch break. He joins her lunch break, and she enjoys bird watching on her lunch break. So it's like a nice little cute scene where they humanize Hazel to seem more relatable, and not just like a stone cold killer. And it's it's a, it's cute, I guess, when you think about it. But it's just a weird pairing of those two that they talk about life and you know setting things up, and how in a year or so she's gonna retire and move to the countryside that he knows it's going to happen in eight days. So he tells her, like, suddenly, why wait a full year where you can just do it right now and just move somewhere nicer? Meaning get away from this area because it might be the biggest uh, high-risk rate. I mean, pretty much from what it seems, the closer you are to the city, you're asked out, pretty much. If you live somewhere in the countryside, whatever the uh, after-effects of said explosion is not going to be as hazardous. Um, so yes, so here we go. We got Diego takes class at the veterans bar, and this is where a big uh, bar brawl begins, and uh, they throw hands, and all because somebody questions Klaus's uh, veteran status, and he gets defensive, but they just start fighting, and it's just one of those classic ballroom brawls, and then this is where Diego finds out about Klaus's time travel and what he did the last nine months in this alternate time. And then we go on to find Hazel outside of the donut shop. And guess who sees him? Klaus and Diego are driving by from the bar they went to. So they tend to follow him along. And then we got Diego put a tracker in the car and he's spying on him. But of course, Chacha and Hazel are not stupid. They know what um, Diego is doing. And this starts a whole little ordeal. So we've got a, another moment where Allie breaks into Leonard's house and 
She tries to dig up dirt on the guy, but Leonard comes too early, so she sneaks out as he's getting ready to cook dinner or whatever and doesn't really find anything. So then this is when the Time Hunters and the uh, Umbrella Academy alum meet up for a drop-off because they want to exchange the time-traveling briefcase that actually Klaus destroyed on his way back and with a, um, with a decoy. And this is when time stops again, for real this time, as we see this shootout's going to commence in this big action sequence. And the handler is giving number five an ultimatum for a promotion. He's so valuable, they don't want to arrest him. They want to actually promote him. So he could be like head in charge of management or something. And he takes the job after some hard thinking and stuff because what does he have to lose? Because he tries to say in this new um, contract agreement that his family will be safe from the apocalyptic explosion or whatever moment that happens and occurs. So then we got a uh, handler agrees, unfreezes time, and then things go back to sort of normal, I guess you can say. And then we end up with Vanya, who we, is revealed indeed has powers. And we're seeing the powers through her audition slightly. And in the end of the scene, where apparently it's Sonic-based. It's almost like she can control sound waves. And I've never read the comic, mind you. I'm coming here blind thinking that she is a normie with no extracurricular powers. No, she's pretty much the Jean Grey of this squad of X-Men. She's had, her powers are so strong that they kept her on meds so that she wouldn't release them. And I, I have a feeling Vanya might be the apocalypse. She might be the phoenix of this whole universe. Like it's, She's so powerful that if they don't contain her, she can let shit just go awry and things will just go so south so quickly. So this is my take on it, that she might be the bringer of the apocalypse. It's just crazy enough to say because she's the most underestimated of all of the siblings. But that's how the episode ends. So that was the episode five review of Netflix original series, The Umbrella Academy. And I can't wait for episode six because I'm going to watch it right now and get back to the reviews again. But uh, thank y'all for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay tuned, and take care. See you later. Bye.